Hi, uh, this is Peggy Bryson calling. I just uh, noticed in Facebook a dollar more broadcast against the president. Please tell him to be stop being a shithead and uh, listen to everything that he has to say before he criticizes anybody. He's just a jackass. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Alright, hashtag third episode, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode 327 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting across from me, fan favorite, my lovely and scholarly co-host, Brittany Page. Hello. Hello. Hello, sir. Wow. Enthusiastic today. You know, it's the hashtag third episode. I, I do know, yeah. And... It's been kind of rough. Uh, at least Donald Trump has given us a lot to work with. It's not a slow news cycle this week, so we picked a good week to have it be hashtag third episode. Yeah, although I will say I have people who are genuinely frightened because of what's been going on. So I do not think that that is ill-advised. Uh- <laughs> I thought about We're off to a good start. No, no, no. Listen, I, I, I thought about how to deal with this and whether I should be positive guy or shoot everybody straight. And we'll get to it. But uh, it is time for a little bit of alarm. I'm not saying go hide in your fucking prepper bu- bunker. Mm-hmm. Go eat the rice and beans that you have stored and get ready for the apocalypse. But uh, they are more tenuous times right now relative to the security of the United States Boy, it's heavy right away, isn't it? It is. Then we've had maybe uh, since 9-11. I believe that. Mm. So, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, wow! I was at Target yesterday. Oh, yeah, Target. Let's talk about that. And there was a bit of a... A kerfuffle, if yeah. you will. Mm-hmm. There was an issue was, as we were walking out. There was a child, I would say, about eight. Yeah, I, I, that's a good good estimate. And she was standing outside the exit in front of us as Lo- we were walking. Loaded down with what seemed to be like a backpack and also like a one of those insulated cloth coolers that you take to the beach yes one of them seemed like one of those yeah and there was a what appeared to be a 13 year old boy with her (laughs) apparently he was a man and (laughs) he was the target security we found out later guy yeah it did again i'm not joking or trying to be hateful he just genuinely did not look like an adult man and he was I thought at first it, he was harassing this young girl. And then I realized behind us, because we were walking while this was happening. We're like trying to figure out what's going on walking while we're... Yeah, why are they blocking Yeah, the and exit? this woman starts saying, no, we didn't leave the store yet. 
And he said, you're, you're this person right here, whoever she is, your daughter, is outside the store. You guys have already committed the theft. I'm target security. You need to go back in the store. Yeah. And so we realized pretty quickly that it was a shoplifting situation. And it was a mom who was still inside the store and her daughter was outside the store. And what it seems like to me is she had her daughter holding all the bags yeah. and kind of threw her daughter out first. Well, that's what happened. To test the waters, yeah. and it, it did not go well. So then they start getting physical, a physical altercation. Because the kid, the man, the target security guy, the plainclothes guy, listen, if you told me he was 17 years old, I would believe you. Yeah, he was very, yes, yes. He was a young, thin a wispy character. He doesn't seem like he should be working security at Target alone. Well, he certainly shouldn't be uh, entering into physical altercations with customers where he's pinning them right. physically with his body against theirs against the wall. Against a concrete wall. And I'm not saying he did anything wrong because they yeah. were stealing and they ended up getting away. We'll just we'll spoil the story. Well, yeah, he he was wrestling with her for probably 5 minutes. At least yeah, I think that's a <laughs> Five minutes for sure. And it was, we stood and watched because yeah. I was conflicted. Well, people were calling the police. Like 911, like it was a domestic assault or something. Yeah, you couldn't tell what was going on because he wasn't in target gear. Yeah, that's right. So some people thought possibly maybe it was a domestic dispute. People, who knows what people thought. But we were watching, wondering what to do. And I was just feeling very sad for the child the yeah, whole you, time. You repeated that over and over. Yeah. That you can't believe she did that to her kid. Well, I just, I I don't know. You know, it's one of those things where you like see someone on the street and you wish that you could do something, but you don't know what to do. It was kind of like in the midst of the physical altercation, I wanted to pull the daughter aside and be like, hi, um, let's have a pep talk right now. Yeah. Just kind of talk to you for a bit. It was a bummer. Very weird. It was very weird. I'd never, I've never seen that. Yeah. But she did get away. They got away. And the mom left without her shoes. I don't know what happened with that. And I heard the security guard say, hey, get a fucking job. Yeah. Which doesn't seem helpful. Um, Look, I understand in the heat of the moment, you feel impassioned and, and fired up and your adrenaline's running high. But just like a cop, you need to be above that kind of behavior and talk. Yeah. When you're in that kind of a situation. Also, what's Target doing with their security employees? This guy had no backup. There were like three Target employees that came out and Red just observed yeah, just like what was going on. Yeah. And they didn't at all try to help him or call backup. It, it seems like he needed backup. He Well, he definitely did because he was this woman physically was, incapable. Yeah, this woman was giving him a run for his money. I mean, yeah. she got away. Yeah. She got loose. Yeah. <laughs> so. And didn't run away. She, no. She walked briskly to her car. Yeah. And they drove away. Yeah. So it, it was very strange. And kind of a weird night at the Target. Yeah. I felt very upset for a couple hours after that. And that was just after Britney's nostrils were assaulted by the man behind us in line. <laughs> who apparently had a big bag of oh. ball smell. Oh, dear. That he was carrying around with him. Because mm. thems were some sour nuts, everybody. Real, real sour. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was an interesting Target trip. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, you're acting like it was just me that was assaulted. You also no. had a negative. You had a visceral response. I thought we were sharing the line with a fucking corpse. <laughs> I thought there was a dead guy, a decomposing body in line with us. And then it turned around just a dude shopping with his wife. Oh, you you never know what someone had happened during their day. You know, who knows? Costa Mesa, California, everybody. I know. Holy shit. <laughs> it was it was it was bad. But I wish, uh, you know, something that I often talk about is I kind of miss when I was a Christian and I would like pray for people, you mm-hmm. know, and as an atheist, it's kind of sad because there's, you know, you see things like this happen and before I could fool myself into believing that I could close my eyes and say a little thing and maybe yeah, I would that do maybe, something. That you, maybe you had from afar agency over a situation that wasn't actually in your purview. Yeah, and then you kind of have to, or I, I do as an atheist, resign to the reality that... Sometimes bad shit happens yeah, and it's out of your control. This is just life and, yeah. you know, all you can do is kind of w- hope for the best. You talking about the ball smell or are you talking about the shoplifters? <laughs> I'm talking about just life. You were going to say a prayer for the guy's smell? Just life. Oh, Jesus. Dear Jesus, <laughs> Lord, we come before you today. And I want to lift up to you the man in the target line who had the smelliest balls that I've ever encountered, Lord. Please, Jesus, bless that man and take away the affliction of the smelly balls. That's how I used to do it. If there's hell, I am certainly going to it after that uh, sacrilegious prayer. Yeah, and I... Heretical. Listen, we we don't... We... uh, A lot of people, and this is something that's difficult about the show, is new people come on, and we recently had someone write on the page and say, hey, I don't know what classy late is. I'm so new, I don't know what that is. So we have people that, you know, have no idea that we used to talk about religion. Maybe even me saying I'm an atheist. People had no idea. It might free people out, yeah. Yeah, so please don't write to me and say, you can come back. We're waiting for you. Well, we don't hate religion. Just have that peace again. I grew up deep, deep in religion. Yeah. You know, the tongue-talking, dancing, Pentecostal type of religion. So I'm... I, I, it's like if I call a friend a name, it's kind of out of love. It's it's a it's a it's a term of endearment. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's the same when when I do mock prayers and I mean there's a there's a truth to it. I'm making fun of it, mm. but it's it's in fun. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get to a voicemail before this really fucking slides right <laughs> off the rails. Hey Jesse, hey Brittany, this is John from Columbus, Ohio. Um, I just was listening to episode 326 where you were talking about Brittany being a Debbie Downer. Brittany, you were, and... How dare you? Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah. But I understand why. Because here at the Columbus State Fair about two weeks ago, uh, the pendulum swing ride malfunctioned because it was not inspected properly. Oh. Malfunctioned and injured at least six people, uh, but unfortunately killed an 18-year-old when he fell out of the ride. Wow. Um. That was because it was not inspected properly. So, Brittany, there's a reason for your Debbie Downer, but you definitely were being a Debbie Downer. Um, and Jesse, <laughs> by kind of not knowing that and kind of calling her a Debbie Downer and making jokes about it, you kind of sound like a dick. Nice. Uh, I love you guys, though, so it's okay. Um, I just kind of wanted to set the record straight and let you guys know. And uh, the show's the best part. There's not really a best part. You all are equally... Involved equally important to the show, even though sometimes Britney still is the best part. 
<laughs> but anyway, guys, uh, thanks for letting me chime in. And uh, once again, this has been John from Columbus. Brittany, you were referring to the Columbus Day Fair about two weeks ago where an 18-year-old died on the pendulum uh, swing ride. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Now who's the Debbie Downer? Debbie fucking Downer. John from Columbus, setter straight of the record. (laughs) I just want to set the record straight, everybody. Brittany Page, you were a Debbie Downer, but Jesse, goddamn, what a dick. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for the call, sir. I hope that uh, the injured will go on to find healing. And uh, should I do another prayer? No, 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 no. And I... That's, well, someone died. That's, that's, yeah, that's horrific. It's terrible. Tragic. Um, so, and this, this is one reason why when we talk about the government oversight... Look, uh, I'm as a fan of the next guy, of reeling in the government and their regulation... Inspections of fairs where drug addicted carnies are the ones operating them. That's a place where we need some government oversight. We need some regulation. We need some rules. Excuse me. I would just like to um, say that there's a more appropriate phrase, which is a person that operates carnival equipment, is hmm. what you should say. All right. Um, it's a joke. It's great. Again, that's a joke that if you're a new listener, you probably won't get because we. Talked about bias free language guy yeah. from the University of Just New search Hampshire. the tags. Um, so anyway, listen, uh, before we move on on the on the voicemail front, I want to apologize to a guy I kept calling Steven, I think, last episode. It was Walter from St. Louis, and I kept calling him goddamn Steven. How dare you? Anyway, he reached out to me on social media and he's like, uh, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So sorry. Sorry about that. It's a fair reaction. So before we move on to emails, let me drop the phone number. That'll give you time to prepare to pull up the email that we're going to read. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Now you can read the email. Hi, Brittany and Jesse. I've been seeing quite a bit of commentary about the firing of Google employee James Demore. Whatever. Demore, if we're going to do a Dalamore. Dalamore. Over his anti-diversity memo, and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about it. It seems fairly straightforward to me that sending out a memo that perpetuates harmful gender stereotypes is a good cause for termination, especially since doing so violates Google's code of conduct. The argument against Google is that the employee should not be fired for expressing his opinion. But isn't the real issue that he documented and disseminated an opinion that contradicts the values of the company? Thanks for all you do. Lexi from Albany, New York. Lexi from Albany, New York. Well, let me say this, first of all, before we get into this at all. Google can fire and hire whoever the fuck they want. This isn't a free speech issue. And all of those, maybe you out there, who believe it is, are misinformed, not really understanding the, the scope of the First Amendment of the, the United States Constitution, which curtails the government's infringement upon your right to free speech, not some company. Secondly, everyone should go out there and Google this and find this document. It's like 10 pages. I would challenge everybody because what he is asserting is that women genetically 
are not equipped to be as good a programmer or whatever his job was as men. They're better with personnel and they're better with people because they care about people more and men care about things. That was actually one of the sentences. So if he's making an argument that men or, or women are genetically inferior relative to this particular occupation, let's flip the script and let's, let's say he was talking about Jews. Jews can't be as good a programmer's because of X, Y, and Z, people would be fucking outraged. But because it deals with sexism and feminism gets peppered in there, a lot of these people who are who 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 curl their nose, wrinkle their nose, they get a little uncomfortable when you talk about feminism. They are more prone to kind of give this guy a pass. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, the the document in general. So I'm going to take a step back. So what he talks about is there's an ideological echo chamber at Google that doesn't allow dissent. And that Google is essentially a left-leaning company that says that the gender gap is due to situations outside of a woman's control, such as sexism or bias in the workplace. Not even in the workplace, though. Let, Let me, sorry, interject here. It's also from the time that they start schooling until they become employed. The entire system is geared around keeping a woman down and out of sciences. Yeah. From from the counseling to encouragement to to mentorship, everything. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So he goes on to propose non-bias causes of the gender gap in tech. And one of them that he lists as a bullet point is that there are clear biological causes and biological differences that lead to this gender gap. So whatever. I I read the thing and something that I thought was funny that I want to talk about is he lists some of the personality differences between men and women that (laughs) supposedly lead to the the gap. And he talks about how extroversion... Did did he say in there, women be shopping. You can't stop a woman from shopping. (laughs) Did he say that in there? Uh, I don't believe so. Was that one of the chief tenants of his 10-page document? I might have missed a footnote, but I didn't (laughs) see it. So I'm going to... This is directly from the document. Extroversion expressed as gregariousness rather than assertiveness. Also higher agreeableness this leads to women generally having a harder time negotiating salary asking for raises speaking up and leading note that these are just average differences and there's overlap between men and women but this is seen solely as a woman's issue this leads to exclusory programs like stretch and swaths of men without support so this is interesting he's verging on men's right activism Yeah, but he's saying that, so this leads to women generally having a harder time negotiating a salary, asking for a raise. So I'm assuming this program stretch is something to help them with these things. Yeah. And then he's complaining that this leaves men without support. Well, wait, aren't you saying that that's a woman's problem? Men are strong at that. That's our our bread and butter, Brittany. Aren't they the ones that need the program? Yeah. And now you're sad because even though it's a woman's problem... Yeah, that's a good point. It, it's, it's just there's several things like that in here that are very strange. So maybe this guy got fired because he's an illogical dick face and not very smart. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it is weird because 
I was talking to you about this today. I'm, I'm finding myself very frustrated because normally people on the internet find an ideological corner in which to take comfort. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding myself increasingly alienated from any ideological comfort zone on the internet because... <laughs> because... I do not relate to certain prominent people in the atheist community. Yeah. More and more for me these days. And I do not relate to, obviously, Pat Robertson. So really we'll out get of to luck him there. Later. But I mean I mean, I'm having a hard time like really finding figures that I admire the majority of the time. Yeah. I guess I would say. I don't know. Because the atheist community has had even a reaction to this where some of the, and I keep saying atheist community, it's prominent, prominent people in the atheist community yeah, that attend toward men's right activist type stuff or tend toward alt-right type stuff. Yeah. Or alt-light yeah. as, uh, as Richard Spencer calls it. Yeah. And it makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of defending of this guy from the atheist community. So I don't know. From those prominent atheists. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm open to it. If someone has a perspective that I'm missing here, please share it. It was just broad generalizing is what it was. But I don't know why he needs to be defended so Yeah, I don't know. Much. Fuck that guy. You got fired for doing something dumb. And the company was well within their legal rights to do so. You know? Yeah. Uh, whatever. Well, it's also people that are typically libertarians that seem to be taking issue with the fact that this guy was fired because... Which is very weird. Yeah. Shouldn't they be totally fine with that? Isn't that really in line with how they view the world? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I hope we answered a question. Yeah. Lexi. Mm-hmm. I hope we did. I mean, we'd rambled on for enough time. I'm sure something we said answered a question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for, for calling in. Thanks for writing in. We appreciate it very much. Before we move on, though, I do want to talk about good old Pat Robertson. We didn't mention it last time on the show, but... Mr. Eric Bowling, who is the host of a Fox program, um, used to be the host of The Five on Fox News. Now he's the something else. Some other goddamn show. The that, Specialist. The Specialist, that's it. Well, anyway, he has been caught sending dick pics, allegedly. There we go. And you're waiting for that one, huh? Uh-huh. And apparently Pat Robertson, who admits he has no information on the matter whatsoever, just taking a stab in the dark, he weighed in. And first, let me say this about Pat Robertson. He's still alive. Well, well yeah, he yet yeah, certainly he's still alive. He's not looking very good. Yeah, he looks like it looks to me when you look at him on TV that they they made a mold in the shape of Pat Robertson. And just poured human flesh and blood and bones and skin into the mold and then animated it somehow. He's not looking good. He's not looking good. He's like a human apostrophe. 
kind he, of bent over and just ready to fucking go at any time. He's 87 yeah. years old. And and not a not a spry 87. He's also not a nice man. No. So he's not. Uh, hence the music that we played. Yes. Otherwise it would have been, you know, zippity doodah. Zippity yay. <laughs> nah, no. That would just not But not for Pat Robertson. No. Here he is talking about that which he knows nothing. You know, I want to say something I've been reading about in the press. And uh, I don't have a lot of first-hand information, so I may be, uh, you know, off the wall on it. But think of this. If you wanted to destroy the Fox News, you really wanted to destroy him, what would you do? Well, you would send some salacious material, uh, <laughs> ostensibly from one of their popular co-hosts or hosts, and you'd send it out and then get it publicized, and then you'd have... It sounds like he's given this some thought. You know, when I was sabotaging back in the day, this is what I did. Well, I'm sorry. Is that really the best method to sabotage Fox News? The Fox News? The Fox News. Is that really the best method? If you wanted to get rid of the Fox News, it's to frame Eric Bowling. Well, how would you even <laughs> get a picture of Eric Bowling's cock to send a picture to someone? This person is very skilled. They must be working for Putin, too. I don't know. Some woman complained that she Some had gotten this salacious material from this particular co-host. And then you'd come to Fox, and Fox is so uh, averse to any kind of uh, legal action that they would immediately take the person off the air. So before long, you would have decimated. Along with that, though, Reverend Pat Robertson being afraid of legal action, they're also afraid of being countersued or sued by the employee for false termination. Bill O'Reilly doesn't have a suit against Fox News because he was fucking dead to rights, caught, busted, fired. They also have an independent law firm that looks into this and verifies, and they can testify to the veracity of the claims. They also aren't so terrified of legal action that they're going to uh, terminate the employee. Bill O'Reilly, that's what the whole concern it was. like was. the ninth time. They kept paying money out secretly. Right. Millions upon millions of dollars in settlements. It became not very profitable. Human apostrophe continues. They did the primetime lineup of all the Fox hosts. Easy to do? Absolutely. Is it being done? Probably. And the latest attack is against a guy named Eric Bolin, who I think is a straight hour. He was on this program. He's a dedicated Catholic, goes to Mass every day. Very nice man. Every day. They pulled him off the air because somebody sent some pictures ostensibly over his name. But what they've done is take away one of the most popular hosts in, the, in their lineup. And then they, they got rid of uh, O'Reilly, who was the top uh, getter of, uh, of, of audience, uh, the, the most popular uh, host they had, got rid of him. And, of course, they got rid of uh, Roger Ailes, who was the architect of putting it all together. So easy to do now. I mean, anybody can make charges. But, ladies and gentlemen, if this is going on, and it could easily do it, I mean, I, I don't I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it is so easy <laughs> to see what's being done. I think it's a, it's a terrible shame, and Fox had better uh, cinch up their, they talk about gird up the loins. I mean, they better gird up their loins and realize that people are going after them and, and know that this is a, a game that people are playing. 
anybody could send a, a salacious piece of literature and, and say it came from any particular, literature. it came from Sean Hannity, it came from this one, or it came from the other one, and totally bogus. And yet if the Fox lawyers believe it. Anyway. You know, the Catholic priests really have a stranglehold on morality. Yeah, because they go to Mass every day like Eric Bowling. Yeah. He's a dedicated Catholic. Brittany, do I have to break out the Bill O'Reilly quote? You do. No one believing in Jesus commits mass murder. <laughs> it's amazing to me that they still say things like this, that Eric Bowling couldn't have done this because he's a devout Catholic. Okay, do you watch the news? Do you get Pew Research religion news updates? Because I get him to my inbox every single day. And at least once a week, there's a news story about a Catholic priest who's been released from prison or is out on the loose or has just been caught molesting a child. Right. It's ridiculous. So saying that someone is a Catholic and that means that they have a stranglehold on morality and whenever do anything wrong is absurd. Well, it's like saying that an atheist has a stranglehold. It that doesn't matter. Some people are just dicks who do bad things. It's not the religion that makes them do it. Now, the religion might be a, a place to hide, a sanctuary for them to commit their crimes, but it didn't cause them to do the crime. And... Them being addicted. Yeah. And I'm sure that Pat Robertson was viciously defending Anthony Weiner when this happened. Yeah, right. His salacious literature that he was sending to women. He does not understand tweets and dick pics. <laughs> I think he does. Ah, but... the literature. They're sending the literature. Yeah. It's it's not a fucking carnival drawing where you go and get your character done. Yeah. It's a photograph. <laughs> you fucking mook. So Eric Bowling, three former colleagues have come, come forward and said that he sent them dick pics. And he has denied this, but his statement through his attorney was... Very Wiener-esque, no pun intended. Very Anthony Wiener-esque. Yeah, using distancing language of, I do not believe that I ever did this. Sent those communications. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, he if you listen to Pat Robertson, listen. To, let's break this down a little bit and then we'll move on. Who does he feel really bad for? Roger Ailes, Bill O'Reilly, and Eric Bowling. Oh, those poor men. Those poor men, innocent men, lost their careers, looking like it might be the downfall of the Fox News. And these women are snakes. They're just trying to get over, trying to destroy a man's career. This is like talk out of the fucking 1940s. Yeah. It just, this is 2017, is it not? Again, what year am I going to, is it going to come to where I'm going to be able to stop saying, hey, everybody, it's 20 blah, blah, blah. Pat Robertson was born in 1930. Uh, 1930. The prohibition was on. The prohibition. So he has a, a different outlook on life. Yeah, he does. <laughs> oh, you almost had it. <laughs> You're going to be quicker than that. <laughs> All right. Let's move this train along, Brittany Page. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward 
one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Mikey? Mikey! Jorge? Jorge! Or is it George? We have another We have another patron that's, that's spelled Jorge, and they said they pronounce it George. So one of the two, take your pick. Okay. Nancy. Nancy. Awesome. Beautiful. We love you guys. Thank you for your very generous support on Patreon and or PayPal. You guys mean the world to us. Listen, to all of you others out there who are on the fence about supporting the show, helping produce the show, um, no time like the present. We are moving very quickly toward our goal of, of every single week having a third episode and it is through your support that we do that. So the other way is dollamore.info. Yep. You can get your very own Dollamore logoed tea. I doubt it with Dollamore podcast logoed tea. Or you can get in your the puppet shirt yeah. or even classy laid. Hashtag, Hashtag classy laid. Classy laid. Yep. Or tote bag or mug. Yeah. Tote bags, of course. You live in California. You have to pay what is it 10 cents a bag i think it's like ten dollars per bag yeah it's it's not uh no more plastic bags you have to pay for plastic bags just get a tote bag so anyway the good thing about this is is uh you get something other than our voices you get something in return a little a yeah. uh, little a little little chotsky yes a little shirt mm-hmm. good times good times Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, before we move into all of this North Korea insanity, let's talk about a little bit about the man at the helm. Our commander in chief who is making military decisions that will affect the lives of 350 million people who live in this country and hundreds of millions of people who live outside of the country. Vice News is reporting that twice a day, since the beginning of the Trump administration, a special folder is prepared for the president. The first document is prepared around 9.30 a.m. and the follow-up around 4.30 p.m. Former Chief of Staff Reince Priebus and former Press Secretary Sean Spicer both wanted the privilege of delivering the 20 to 25 page packet to President Trump personally, White House sources say. What uh, what was in this particular packet, Brittany Page? Well, <laughs> praise. Yes, praise. Hmm. It contains basically screenshots of cable news chirons that are positive, uh, admiring tweets. Tweets of people loving Donald Trump. Wow. Transcripts of fawning TV interviews, praise-filled news stories, and sometimes just pictures of Trump looking powerful on TV. Wow. Yes. So he needs his dick rubbed twice a day, once in the morning, once at night, to keep him feeling powerful. Well, also, here's this. One White House official said the only feedback the White House communication shop, which prepares the folder, has ever gotten in all these months is, quote, it needs to be more fucking positive. <laughs> and that was Trump. I 
I don't know. They don't say. Somebody came from somewhere. So this is the man who's making the decisions in the wake of the news today that the United States Intelligence Services believe that North Korea has miniaturized its nuclear weapons delivery systems. So much so that they will fit on the head of a warhead. And we all know that their intercontinental ballistic missile systems are getting better and better every single day. Well, Donald Trump was hosting a just say no 2.0 kind of a thing at the White House. And he was asked by a reporter about this new development from North Korea. And this was his very alarming response. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. And as I said, they will be met with fire fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. Thank you. Thank you. That is unbelievable. And he ends his statement with, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here when I said that. Thank you. Believe me, it's going to be fire. It's going to be fury. Believe me. Ugh. Horrifying. Horrifying. These are the words of a despot. These are the words of a dictator. These are the words of the man he is threatening. This is something Kim Jong-un would say. Well, and the people who are saying, and I haven't seen anyone say this, but I'm sure they're out there. I just haven't been looking lately. That this is him being tough. Oh, I've heard it. On North Korea. Yeah. There are other ways to be, quote unquote, tough on North Korea without acting like we're in a diehard movie. Right. Uh, this that, is. No, that's so good. That's exactly right. This is ridiculous. This is not. And I I hope that once they got him in a room, they said, listen, you can't be saying things well, they like that. They can't do that. He's the president of the United States. It needs to be more fucking positive. He's that guy. He's a soft-headed buffoon who needs a folder given to him twice a day telling him what a good boy he is. These are dire times. Dangerous times. What's most alarming about this is the ultimatum, is his red line that he gave just there. It wasn't if they become physical aggressors against the neighbor, South Korea, no, that's not what he said. This is what he said. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. If they make threats, they will be met with fire and fury. If they just say something, they will be met with fire and fury, the likes of which the world has never seen. That is alarming. Yeah, and 
People in the Republican Party are taking this on, too, like John McCain, who said, quote, I take exception to the president's comments because you've got to be sure that you can do what you say you're going to do. The great leaders I've seen don't threaten unless they're ready to act. And I'm not sure President Trump is ready to act. Nor should he act. We're not going to launch a preemptive nuclear strike or even sortie missions. Air-to-ground combat missions with fighter jets or, or inserting special operators into North Korea because North Korea's leader has a big mouth and is fucking dumb. That's not the way shit works. Not in America. You use diplomacy. And this is a problem with this White House. Messaging is all over the fucking board. Some people in the administration say no. We will not negotiate. And then others, like the Secretary of State, say, oh, yeah, we'll sit down. We'll talk with Kim Jong-un. And then you've got the President of the United States, the leader of all of them, saying even if they make a threat, we're going to firebomb the fuck out of them. It is 2017, is it not, Brittany Page? It is. Still, right? Yes. Here, here's the problem, is within hours of him making that statement, North Korea came back and said, oh, yeah, well, we have Guam in the crosshairs. As expected, more rhetoric from North Korea a short time ago. The state-run news agency KCNA issuing a statement saying that North Korea's military is, quote, examining the operational plans to strike around Guam with medium to long-range ballistic missiles. Now, that's according to the North Korean news agency. A statement from the spokesman for the strategic force of the Korean People's Army warns that recent U.S. military maneuvers, including a regularly scheduled U.S. ICBM test, provoke may provoke a dangerous conflict. So Guam, an American territory about 1,800 miles or so from North Korea, about 160,000 or so people living on that island, two U.S. military bases. So there is a direct threat to the United States here from the North Koreans. Uh, it doesn't get any more direct than that for them to say they are looking at a plan to attack Guam. This now puts it back in President Trump's ball court, of course, because he said earlier today any more threats from the North Koreans would be met with that fire and fury. And what's going to happen? Donald Trump gets made to look like an impotent fucking mutt. That's why the president's words are very important. That's why having someone who's metered and thoughtful and has a sense of of the fact that he is president of the United States whose words carry weight. Donald Trump is unaware of all of those concerns. I think this is also the problem of electing someone who has a very narrow life experience. Yeah. Think of Donald Trump's life experience. He's been given everything. Yeah, he's been coddled. He's he's lived a silver spoon existence. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that he hasn't had difficult times. I'm sure that he has had difficult times. <laughs> but I'm not sure that he's experienced things that give him the 
compassion that he needs in these situations or the ability to see past himself and his own interests well, in that, these situations. That is for sure, because we've seen time and time again, based on his history, that he has leached off people. He has abused people. He has taken advantage of people, whether they be investors, whether it be tenants in his building, whether they be African-Americans who were denied tenancy in his buildings. He's an abuser of women and of humankind. He doesn't have compassion. He doesn't have sympathy. He doesn't have empathy. If a man was a sociopath, Donald Trump fits the bill. I'm not making a clinical diagnosis because, I, as you know, Brittany, I'm not qualified to do so. All I'm saying is, you know, fuck that guy. <laughs> so we're going to follow this. We're going to see. We have another episode coming up on Friday, and we'll likely have some more developments. And who knows? Maybe there'll be some things that have blown up by... T I don't mean that th literally. Bad choice of words. But maybe some news will have blown up by the time that we come back. The other thing I want to talk about that happened at this event, because this is what this thing was. They're sitting around a table with Kellyanne Conway and the health... Um, Price, the Health and Human Services Director, Secretary, and they were talking about the new war on drugs, the new opioid crisis, and how they're dealing with it. And he said some troublesome and worrisome things that really indicate that he doesn't have a grasp of even that topic either. Today I'm pleased to receive a briefing from our team on ways we can help our communities combat this absolutely terrible epidemic and keep youth from going down this deadly path. The best way to prevent drug addiction and overdose is to prevent people from abusing drugs in the first place. If they don't start, they won't have a problem. If they do start, it's awfully tough to get off. So we can keep them from going on and maybe by talking to youth and telling them no good, really bad for you, in every way, but if they don't start, it will never be a problem. <laughs> He's so, a simpleton. Um, what I don't understand what's happening because Nancy Reagan. <laughs> That's exactly. So I said, just say no. Two point This was a, a long time ago. <laughs> well, not that long ago. He remembers it. Well, nineteen eighty, and it was not successful. Just say no. That's right. It cost. Hundreds of millions of dollars, no gains were made. And this seems like something he should know, although he has Jeff Sessions. So Jeff Sessions also refuses to accept that kind of information. It's like abstinence education except for drugs. Yeah. Here's how you get a kid not to do drugs. You say, hey, don't do drugs. They're real bad. And then they won't do them. Yeah. And everything's good. <laughs> and we all have lollipops and fucking rainbows for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Well, he's also someone that claims to never drink and yeah. never do drugs. As evidenced by his tweets, <laughs> that is very accurate. Yeah. So this is, again, one of those moments where you can tell he's reading something and then he starts just freestyling. Free freestyling. And I... Wicka, wicka, wicka. <laughs> and I I wonder if everyone around him starts cringing when he does this oh, because yeah. you just don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. And the reasonable people in that room that are trying to help him 
had to have been sitting there thinking, Jesus Christ, please stop. Yeah. Just right? shut the fuck up, dude. So he led from this about the kids to this about law enforcement and their role in the drug war. We're also working with law enforcement officers to protect innocent citizens from drug dealers that poison our community. Strong law enforcement is absolutely vital to having a drug-free society. I have had the opportunity to hear from many on the front lines of the opioid epidemic, and I'm confident that by working with our healthcare and law enforcement experts, we will fight this deadly epidemic, and the United States will win. So he first talks about law enforcement, which tells you... Now, he did mention healthcare, but it tells you where his head is at. He doesn't look at this as a health crisis addiction. He looks at this as a lawbreaker situation. Just like Jeff Sessions. That's exactly right. We're not going to be dealing with the opioid crisis by throwing fucking people in jail. That's not going to heal them. These people have a... They suffer from addiction. Believe it or not, I used to not believe it, it is a disease. If you're addicted to a substance like alcohol or, or opioids, heroin, it, change, it physically changes the nomenclature of your brain. It is a disease. And for Donald Trump to go straight to the cops... They're going to be on the front lines, and that's how we're going to get people off of drugs, is through cops. We've tried that before. Nations all across the globe have tried that before. It does not work. We need a model more like Portugal, where they deal with it from a, a health crisis standpoint. Not sending out the jackbooted thugs to fucking tase and arrest and throw in prison people who have a legitimate disease. But again, Donald Trump just doesn't have the bandwidth to understand that. I think equating the just say no to abstinence only is great because similar to how people are very reluctant to want to put Narcan or Naloxone, the opiate antidote yeah, yeah. in the hands of people who are addicted to opiates... They're, they're hesitant to do that because, I, I don't know why, but I think it's similar, <laughs> their reasoning probably, to why they don't want condoms being accessible to teenagers. It's the exact same reason. And that seems very misguided because if someone is addicted to opiates and they are having a difficult time getting off drugs, wouldn't you rather them have a way to have someone inject them with that when they overdose so they don't die? Even if they are not currently getting treatment, isn't that just a good thing for someone to have so they don't die? So we have one less death at the hands of the scourge of highly addictive and dangerous drugs. Absolutely. And similar to condoms. It, it isn't like, here you have a condom, you must use it. It's for safety. Well, look, the Narcon thing, it's great. It's a great uh, metaphor because... Using a condom doesn't mean you run around fucking everybody with AIDS now because, oh, I have a panacea. No problem. You're still careful. It's just an extra layer of protection, no pun intended. It's the same with, with the Narcon. 
and those antidote substances. It's alarming that this is the man who sets policy for the United States who has less than an average understanding of these issues. Let's pivot. Let's move on. A little bit of Russia. Eric Prince was on with Aaron Burnett, and she sprung a question on him. You'll find out soon. Well, I'll just tell you. Eric Prince is the brother of Betsy DeVos, the founder of Blackwater, the private security force slash mercenary force that ran through Iraq and Afghanistan. Eric Prince was sprung by he was sprung with a question by Aaron Burnett on CNN about a meeting, a secret meeting with Russians that, huh, oddly enough, he doesn't remember the guy, the name of the guy he met at the hands of people that he respects, the Amiratis. You know, obviously, uh, you have connections to Trump's inner circle. You're talking about, uh, you know, that you were reached out to by, by Steve Bannon, among others. Your sister I, is. I, I did that. Actually, I wrote that op-ed because between my wife and I, we have a lot of kids, some of whom will serve in the military soon. The idea of them going to Afghanistan and getting killed like those kids did last year, I couldn't tolerate. So I wrote that op-ed with one audience in mind. The president read it, and that's what triggered this discussion. They said the president read it and, and he read, asked I, them I'm to told call. he read it at his desk, circled it, and said, learn more about this. So he knows who you are, and obviously, as I said, it's not just that you know Steve Bannon and others. Your sister is Betsy DeVos, who, of course, is Education Secretary. Yep. All right, so let's talk about another thing that you're central to here. A lot has been made of a meeting that you had with a Russian who was close to Vladimir Putin on the remote island of the Seychelles during the Trump transition, right? This, this, this meeting that everyone knows happened now. Who from the Trump team asked you to take the meeting? No one. Zero. I was there on business, okay? I was there uh, meeting with Emirati officials. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's lots of other people there. I met a guy. And uh, clearly, uh, the U.S. intelligence community felt, felt necessary to unmask me and leak it to the media. Uh, but if, if, if the media and the obsession on the, the Trump-Russia collusion, um, they've kind of jumped the shark if they're thinking that I had something to do with that. Because this, this meeting occurred in January, long after the election. So there's either all this grand Trump collusion plan before the election Mm-hmm. Or not, because if they asked me to go meet with some Russian, which no one actually did, I was happened to be there and I, I, I met a Russian. Who'd That's you meet? Pretty thin. Uh, some fund manager. I can't even remember his name. A fund manager, but you you don't remember his I name. I don't remember his name. We didn't exchange cards. How long was it? The meeting. Do you remember? Uh, it probably lasted about as long as one beer. So it was it was it was a casual setting. Absolutely. Sort of over beers. Okay. I'm going to pause it there. So he meets with this guy. He knows he's going to be asked questions about it because of all the Russia fervor. And he doesn't ask his, his colleagues, the Emiratis from the United Arab Emirates. He doesn't ask him, hey, who was that guy's name? Because I'm going to be asked questions about that. And I want to know more about the meeting. He just, in perpetuity, he's not going to know that guy's name. Come the fuck on. Also, how, well, so how long do you think the beer meeting was? Uh, at least a half hour, I bet. And so he's talking to this guy, and he doesn't know his name for a half hour. We didn't exchange cards, because it was such an inconsequential thing. So what were they talking about? What the beer was made of for 30 minutes? Yeah. Uh, uh, let me just say why this meeting is getting so much attention, because I, I know you're minimizing it. But, but it's really not. Well, it, it has been reported on extensively. Let me just lay out the lay out the timeline here, Eric, so everyone can understand, because you know this, but not everybody else does. Um 
before this meeting happened between you and somebody who is a Putin confidant, and I know that from talking to people uh, who know a lot about this meeting. So this person isn't just a random Russian. In December, the Washington Post reports you met with Trump transition officials at Trump Tower, right? Because you know people there. That that makes complete sense. That same month, I'm also aware there was a meeting at Trump Tower between uh, uh, Jared Kushner, Steve Bannon, Michael Flynn, and the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi, uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed. In December, the Washington Post reports then that you had a private meeting with the Emirati Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Zayed. Then the meeting comes with the Russian in the Seychelles in January. I know the Emiratis delivered the Russian to the meeting. That's why the question is so important. Whether you were working on behalf of the Trump team, or even if they didn't ask you, was anyone on the Trump team aware that you were at this meeting? No one was aware from the Trump team that I was even there. No it one was, was aware. Private business that had nothing to do with the U.S. government, had nothing to do with the Trump team or the transition team or anything else. And what was the meeting about then? Uh, future business. It's it's that the Russian was someone that the Emiratis had done business with and said. It's- you hear that pause? Mm-hmm. So what was this meeting about? Uh, future business. Fu- oh, future future business. Maybe someone useful for you to know. And that was pretty much the extent of it. That's it. Why does she keep giving him and answers? In terms of, and you're saying it was all, when people talk about whether there was a possible back channel or anybody, all of that, you're saying no, off the table. Complete hogwash. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your answering our questions about it. Thank I'm, you, I am amazed at the continued uh, obsession with this, but when you have people dying in Afghanistan, Americans dying... Let's figure out a way to cauterize the losses. All right. I appreciate it. You hear that? You hear that deflection? At the very end, he tried to get that in there. We got people dying in Afghanistan. Why are we talking about this? There are people dying. Well, you know, here's the interesting thing, Eric Prince. We could focus on multiple things at one time. We've got media that focus on national security. We've got media that focus on the legal situation with Trump. And just because the legal situation with Trump people are focusing on the legal situation with Trump doesn't mean they don't care about the bodies in Afghanistan. Well, also, we have experts on Afghanistan and experts in Russian meetings that are nefarious. Yes. So we are talking about things that are relevant to you, sir. Uh, weird how Betsy DeVos got a high-level Secretary of Education appointment. Unqualified doesn't have anything more than a bachelor's degree, and she's the secretary of education. Huh. I love Aaron Burnett. Yeah. But I have some criticisms. Yeah, it's a bummer. Because, uh, listen, I know it's a hard job, and and so it's it's tough in the moment. All of that. Well, that's why you have to... She has that job because she should be the best of the best. Yeah, and I know it gets it gets difficult. It's hard. There's different variables, but... Really, in the future, try not to feed him answers, right? Yeah. And also, <laughs> let him sit with that silence and make him uncomfortable. Aaron Burnett is in power in that moment, and I don't think she should forget it. Every interviewer. You hear that, girl? Is Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I played that first, and then we're going to move on finally to this real Trump news issue. I've been talking about for months and months. That it's very likely Donald Trump is going to start his own TV network, his own flavor of news, his own propaganda. Because having a state-run news organization just falls right in line with what a guy who talks about fire and fury on his enemies, it's kind of what they do. Putin has his own state-run media. 
Kim Jong-un has his own state-run media, so it's natural that Donald Trump would have one too. Well, up until the other day, it was run by his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump. Let me give you a little flavor for the program. Hey, everybody. Laura Trump here. I bet you haven't heard about all the accomplishments the president had this week because there's so much fake news out there. We wanted to give you a glimpse into his week. First up this week, let's talk about the president's salary. Again, the president has donated his salary. His first quarter salary went to the Parks Department. His second quarter salary has now been donated to the Department of Education. Again, this is a president who is putting America before himself. I am so proud of that. Next up, jobs, jobs, jobs. The unemployment rate is at the lowest point it has been since 2001. That is quite so an anyway, incredible So anyway, you get the idea <laughs> of what it is. And you're also, you kind of get the idea of why she's not doing it anymore because she's fucking terrible. And apparently, Brittany was saying, you can back me up on this. <laughs> yes. Well, Kaylee McEnany got the job. The, the little Mike Wazowski lookalike, you know, Mike Wazowski from, uh, from Monsters, Inc., mm. you know, those teeth. It's tough to be a lookalike for Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> so uh, Kayla McEnany got the job, but apparently she edged out. Word is, we don't have this confirmed, but word is, who did she edge out? Tommy Lahren. Apparently Tommy Lahren was up for the job. Tommy Lahren, while at Politicon, actually made reference to some things she was working out yeah. That we'd find out about soon. Yeah. And I wonder if she got iced out because of Kaylee McEnany. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the new program. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but this is the flavor of the new Trump propaganda arm. Hey, everybody. I'm Kaylee McEnany. Thank you for joining us as we provide you the news of the week from Trump Tower here in New York. More great economic news on Friday. The July jobs report added a better than expected 209,000 jobs. Overall, since the president took office, President Trump has created more than 1 million jobs. The unemployment rate is at a 16-year low, and consumer confidence is at a 16-year high, all while the Dow Jones continues to break records. President Trump has clearly steered the economy back in the right direction. On Wednesday, the president introduced the RAISE Act. For decades, a steady rise so, in immigration... anyway, that's the deal. Now they added music. It's a little bit more polished. They've got some sweepers, those swooshing sounds that go between segments. And She's the triumphant music. She's clearly got some work to do. And over time, she'll probably become more polished and better at what she's doing. Because she's not much better than Laura Trump. But uh, that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And um, I wouldn't say it's problematic at this point because it's kind of embarrassing what they're putting together there, which you know isn't a surprise for the Trump team. They don't really have an eye for aesthetics or professionalism or how to get something done because what I do on YouTube, my dumbass does things better than that and I'm just a goof. Are you trying to get a job? <laughs> Hey, Donald Trump, if you're listening, <laughs> I know I've said some bad stuff about you. Well, that's all in the past. But listen, buddy, for the right money, I'll be. I'll, I'll say anything. Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't say that. If only I could get... That was a very weird way to say that. Don't say that. 
What? Was something said? I Yeah, I was going to make a violent comment. Oh. About no. getting close to Trump, but then no, I'm, no, no, I'm not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, don't do that. So. Well, let's 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 end it here. Should we end on that awkward moment? Yes, please, because I'm starting to feel hashtag third episode out. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I want to say one more thing. Oh, one more thing. Trump has sent greetings to Robert Mueller. And we'll talk about that next time. Well, Seriously. I, I wanted to mention it this time because it's very fitting with the whole Trump TV thing. He is a, a problematic character and he exhibits problematic behavior. Yeah. This is not okay. He's creating his own media narrative. That's all the fuck we need. Trying to discredit legitimate media. Yeah. And now he's sending greetings to the person who's in charge of the Russia investigation, telling him that he appreciates the work that he's doing, sending appreciation and greetings. Ugh. And this is something that would happen in Goodfellas. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. 2017, everybody. Good times. All right, we're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us twice a week or three times a week or as often as you do. Listen, if you are on the fence about supporting the show, we would love to have you if you're in a position to do so. Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon, dollamore.com slash PayPal, and do your worst. We would love to have you supporting the show, producing the show, keeping the lights on. It's a beautiful thing. If you're not in a position to do so, you can always rate and review us on iTunes because that helps the show grow by getting us in front of new, fresh listeners that we can soon turn off and have go away. <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. No one believing in Jesus commits mass murder. 